Maria and I are delighted to be a part of your fellowship. A little bit of a background, I know that some of you know of us. We moved to the western mountains of New Mexico 19 years ago with the intention of raising our children in an environment where they would have fun. Uh, My bride had a vision because she knew that her children loved outdoor activity. I was not so sure. And I have to tell you that her vision has panned out and we have raised four young people who not only love mom and dad, they actually like one another quite a bit. And they love the Lord especially. This has been a blessing. And we just want you to know that as we share our journey, which is definitely our journey, we want you to know that we are not sharing it because we have arrived. If you don't know what that means, it means, simply put, we are not perfect. But by God's grace... He has taught us along the way, and we want to share with you what the Lord has taught us with the desire in our heart that you will be encouraged, that he can teach you too. And I have to tell you that the Lord is particularly interested to save you and your marriage and your children. And there is no greater joy than that your children love the Lord. And that you go home together. Now my bride, I call her my bride. We've been married now since 82. So that's going to be 33 years. Yeah. And But she's still my bride. And I am very delighted each and every year that, uh, particularly that she said yes, 33 years, 34 years ago. And uh, for that, that the Lord has blessed us where we are. But I have to tell you that our journey has not been easy. And we want to share with you from our hearts what the Lord has taught us. And we want to do that because we want you to know that each and every one of us has our own journey before the Lord. And the Lord will show you just what you need to do. Our message is entitled, Willing to Communicate. This title, this phrase, willing to communicate, is found in the verse of 1 Timothy 6.18, where the willingness to communicate it is listed along with other worthy admonitions that if we take it to heart, by God's grace, ultimately will result in us laying hold on eternal life, which is found in verse 19. Profitable communication is crucial in order to have a strong, fulfilling marriage and family and business relationship and any relationship that you want to have. It is essential in resolving conflict that can easily arise when there's differences of opinion. You know, we're different people. And we are not surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot understand good communication without having a correct picture of God. God is, fill in the blank, God is love. God is a communicator. Communication is a gift from God. We were created to communicate. 
godly communication, however, which promotes understanding and builds intimacy, means that we have to perceive the relational nature of God. And we can learn this as we see how he walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the garden at the cool of the day. We see it in the intimate relationship that he developed with Enoch, who walked so closely with God that one day God took him to be with him. And with Abraham, who obtained the privilege of being called the friend of God. And with Moses, who we are told, spoke with the Lord face to face, as a man speaks with his friend in in Exodus 33.11. It is through communication that we share what is in our hearts, and marriage is the most special way that involves a heart-to-heart connection. Marriage is meant to be an object lesson of the family in heaven above. You know, God especially created the marriage relationship to reflect the love and intimacy, transparency, joy, and unity that he enjoys with his son, the unity, harmony, and blessedness shared by all three members of the Godhead throughout the ages of eternity past. The intimacy of husband and wife are meant to experience in marriage that, that intimacy that husband and wife are meant to experience in marriage, I say, is so great. It's like two people becoming one person. They are so thoroughly united and have nothing to hide from one another. Their intimacy involves the physical, the mental, and spiritual aspects. Their communication in all of these areas is to be governed by principles found in Romans 12.10. In honor, preferring one another. To put it in the words of an eloquent Christian writer, this is what he says. Marriage is intended to bring joy. The married life is meant to be the happiest, fullest, purest, richest life. It is God's own ideal of completeness. It was when he saw that it was not good for man to be alone that woman was made and brought to him to supply what was lacking. If in any use it fails to be a blessing and to bring the joy and richer, fuller life. That fault cannot be with the institution itself, but with those who under its shadow fail to fulfill its conditions. Furthermore, Sister White refers to the institution of marriage as an agency for the blessing and uplifting of humanity. Adventist Home, page 14. God intends that marriage should be an object lesson of the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. But when we carry out God's original purpose in our marriages, nothing but immeasurable good and happiness will result in our lives and the lives of anyone who is connected with us in any way. Therefore, it is crucial that we learn why and how to communicate in our marriages. Now, marriage has been the most fulfilling thing that I have done in my lifetime. It has also produced the most stress when I followed my way. In our early years of our marriage, in the early years, our marriage was not an example of the fulfillment of God's beautiful purpose. When we got married, our lifestyle was not conducive to building the intimacy that God intended. I communicated a lot during our courtship, 
But I did not continue this during our early years of marriage. Men, don't make this mistake. I was self-absorbed. I was hooked on listening to the news. I remember having my Walkman. You plug them both into your ears and you hear nothing else. And to make matters worse, our schedules did not coincide. I graduated from my family practice residency training in 1981, and I completed a teaching fellowship, and I joined the faculty of an Adventist hospital in the western suburbs of Chicago. I was practicing obstetrics, and on the weekend, I was very involved in the establishment of a new church, church planting. My wife, a nurse, she was working the 3 to 11 shift. So we were like ships passing in the night. I really loved my wife, but we had little time together, and I was not tuned in to her needs. During our very little bit of time together on the weekends when I was off, I was very eager to have time with my husband. Um, but it seemed that his attentions was sought by so many. Even at church, I began to be resentful um, that his attention was sought by so many, he did not resist. One uh, Sabbath afternoon, I remember it was right after potluck, and I was very eager. Okay, so potluck is over, so let's go home and have, enjoy the rest, of, the rest of the day together, have fellowship, be able to share our hearts um, and I was disappointed as one after another person wanted to talk with him, and he was very busy, not looking at his watch. I busied myself at first. I was trying to be patient. I busied myself um, just conversing with some ladies that were visiting there that day. But what I really wanted was time with my husband. And so at last, I lost my patience, and I developed a plan in my flesh to get him out of there and get him home with me. You see, he had been having a lengthy conversation with another church elder. And so I went up to them, and I interrupted politely, and I intimated that I, I wasn't well and I needed to go home. And so I asked him if, we, if he could give me the keys now, um, if, if we could actually go home together, or if he preferred to give me the keys so that I could go and he could find a ride home later, never dreaming that he might choose the latter. Well, my plan backfired when the man that he was talking to offered, oh, that's no problem, I can take you home, and he accepted. Clueless. I took the keys, and I went home feeling very hurt and angry. Those negative feelings absolutely overwhelmed me as I drove home, and I determined to teach him a lesson. So when I got home, I called my parents, who live some 40, 40 miles away, and I told my dad to please come. Come and pick me up so that I could spend some special time with them. I can't remember, but I imagine that our, our second vehicle must have been in the shop because I was basically asking my dad to come because I had no other way to, to go. Um, so I don't know why I didn't just get in that car and 
um, take the only car that we had and go. But anyway, I wanted, the point is I wanted to be gone when Edwin came home, and I was not intending on leaving a note for him. Now, sensing that something was wrong, my father wisely said, Honey, um, I think you need to stay home and, and work things out, and we can visit another time. So now I was upset because that plan backfired too. And when Edwin came home, I was very cold toward him and non-communicative. But as it was not my nature to hold back my feelings for long, eventually I exploded expressing my feelings of hurt and anger. I, I apologized. I apologized to her, saying what I could to restore the peace. And eventually I accepted that apology, and I thought that things would be different from in the, in the future. But as the, as the days and the weeks and the months passed, and I actually got on the day shift and was fully expecting that things would change, I discovered that my um, hunger for intimate fellowship and relatedness with my husband was not to be easily satisfied because he was um, always seen still consumed with other things and not enough time with me. So I turned to the friendship of um, women, women that I was friends with. I, I turned to have more fellowship with them in order to satisfy my need for sharing my heart. Did we understand God's perfect plan for marriage? No. We, in Adventist, page, Adventist on page 14, it says, After marriage, a husband's highest duties are to his wife and a wife's to her husband. The two are to live for one another. You know, as we think about the illustration that we just gave you, I see now that I struggled with feelings of rejection uh, from the time I was a youth. I loved my wife, and I, but I also craved the affirmation that I received from others. So desiring that affirmation resulted in my committing to many things, that prevented me from giving our marriage relationship the priority that God had in mind. And in turn, I did not help matters any by responding in the flesh. I was right in wanting more time for relatedness with my husband, but I was not right in responding with pride and selfishness. My response was not open and transparent. I didn't humbly express my hurt but I was unkind, I was vengeful, I was unmerciful. I communicated in a way in response that did not engender intimacy. Friends, pride um, and selfishness kill intimacy. They alienate us from God. And we are told in Proverbs 16 that pride is an abomination to the Lord. Selfishness is a relationship killer as opposed to the principle of Romans 12:10 where we are admonished to be what kindly affection one to another preferring one another mm. in brotherly love pride and selfishness quench the flame of love they stifle affection they break up marriages they separate friends pride kills joy and retards our growth in grace 
Ellen White has called it the greatest burden that we have to bear in this life. That's Mm. in Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2, page 240. She says, unless we learn in the school of Christ to be meek and lowly, we shall miss precious opportunities and privileges for becoming acquainted with Jesus. We cannot even fully come to know the Lord, to experience true Christianity, the power of the gospel, the power of Christ working in us, unless we know him. And if there's pride and selfishness, we push him away. Self, she goes on to say, is the most difficult thing we have to manage. In laying off burdens, let's not forget to lay self at the feet of Christ. How do we do that? How do we get rid of it? Do you recognize it in yourself? Sometimes we are the last ones to, to identify pride and selfishness in our own hearts. How do we get rid of it? How can we be freed from it? Friends, by beholding, we are changed. We become less selfish as we behold Christ. We would say, don't you think, that the single most important thing that we have done over the past 20 years in order to cooperate with God, to banish pride and selfishness from our souls has been the commitment that we have made by his grace to spend the first hour to two hours of every day sitting at the feet of Christ. Acquaint now thyself with him, we are told in Job 22-21, and be at peace, thereby shall good come unto thee. You know, as Christians, we are called upon by God to love as he loves, walk as he walks, talk as he does. In the rest of our time, we would just like to lay out four commitments that we believe are prerequisites to foster profitable communication in a marriage relationship that leads to intimacy. The first one, the priority of glorifying God. This is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.31. You're familiar with this text. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, how does it go? Do all to the glory of God. This cannot be achieved, as Maria is saying, without humility and the surrender of our will to the will of God. Our motives must be unselfish. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another or envying one another. Galatians 5, 25-26. We must seek God's glory, not ours. We must be other-oriented instead of self-oriented in honor preferring one another. We're admonished to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is impossible and foreign to our fallen nature, but it is possible 
by the grace of God as we acquaint ourselves with him and we learn to surrender to his spirit. Another prerequisite for profitable communication is good listening skills. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Hmm. This means that in good communication, the act of listening needs to take priority over sharing, Hmm. um, speaking our mind. Now, is there anyone here who believes that, oh, this is easy, I'm I'm a great listener? Actually, um, if we are honest with ourselves, we will admit that in our natural selves, we are much more intent on getting across our opinion or getting our own way or proving that we are right than we are on listening, to be willing to enter in, to understand what is being said. Have you ever found yourself thinking about what you're going to say next before the person is even finished talking? The Bible says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Proverbs 18, 13. Being a good listener takes self-discipline. It is something that we must actively work on and cultivate because it does not come naturally and because it is something that is important, obviously, to God. One of the most um, helpful habits that I have learned um, to cultivate over the past few years that has benefited not only our marriage but my relationship with our young people has been um, being silent when I'm most eager, when I'm feeling that agitation and I'm most eager to speak up and say something, actually choosing to be silent at those times. In the multitude of words, it says in Proverbs, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Swift to hear, slow to speak. Good listening skills involves concentrating on and taking time to fully consider what the other person is saying. And we could be actually praying. If we're having a a difficult time listening to our spouse um, and just wanting to jump in there, pray. Pray in your mind. Furthermore, it is useful to develop the, the habit of asking for clarification so that what we think we are hearing the other person say is actually what they mean, what they're meaning to say. I have to tell you, this is not often easy in my work that I do. I do a lot of listening, I think. But I only have six minutes to listen to you. And, and if you're coming to me with the story that I've already heard, I have a tendency to, I've already heard that. So I start supplying your story. Especially, you're coming to me with a cold, and I've heard it already. Five times today. So I says, oh, so do you have, and do you have? And so I'm prompting you because your story is taking too long for me to listen to. It's been a challenge to learn to listen. The third one is the commitment to truthfulness. That's the third point that we want to make this morning. This is what it says in, in uh Patriarchs and Prophets, mental moment there I had. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 309. Everything that Christians do should be as transparent as the sunlight. Truth is of God. Deception in every one of its myriad forms is of Satan. 
And whoever in any way departs from the straight line of truth is betraying himself into the power of the wicked one. We need to give speaking truthfully a much higher importance. God's standard of truthfulness is much higher than that which most of us hold. An intention to deceive is what constitutes a a falsehood. By a glance of the eye, a motion of the hand, an expression on the face, a falsehood can be told as effectively as by words. And all intentional overstatements, every hint or insinuation calculated to convey an erroneous or exaggerated impression, even the statement of facts in such a manner as to mislead, is falsehood. That's a tough one. A much higher standard than, the, than many of us have held, that I have held. And so I've asked the Lord to help me to be truthful in my communication. Another prerequisite for uh, profitable communication is the commitment to time investment. Mm -hmm. We live in an age of rush, rush, rush. One day, um, quite some time ago, I was conducting some business at the bank in um, the town of Socorro, New Mexico. This is where my parents um, were living at the time in their last days of living still alone in their home. And so I completed my transaction, and I decided to just sit in the waiting room and wait for our son, who happened to be there with me that day, also conducting his own business. And I found it very interesting during those times to to watch people in in Socorro. I often take, at the time, because of my care of my elderly parents, I used to take something with me because I found myself in waiting rooms quite often. But... um, The New Mexican people are uh, a colorful people, and I found that often when I was waiting in waiting rooms, I I was observing and and learning. And so this day, I was just um, interested in in watching people as they were coming into the bank, um, meeting each other and, and greeting each other, and I was just listening, sitting back and listening. And so um, I had the opportunity to listen to three different friendly exchanges between people just running into each other. And after watching the first three, I was struck by something. And that was that the first words out of at least one of the two parties, you know, meeting each other, um, in answer to the response, so how are you, was, oh, busy, busy. Friends, life in our society today, and this was actually several years ago, but it's even worse now, mm-hmm. is calculated to be busy, busy. Mm-hmm. Technology has provided us with more so-called time-saving devices than ever before in the history of mankind. And yet we are more busy and we have less time, less time for God and less time for meaningful, meaningful communication in companionship with each other than ever before, with our, with our spouses, with our children. As husbands and wives who are committed to building a strong marriage, which is a needful foundation for a strong family, we must make this a priority in our lives. We must carve out the time. Mm-hmm. 
I can only imagine that our Heavenly Father is by far the busiest of all people, considering that he is the creator of all, and that it is by his sustaining power that all life continues to exist. And yet, he makes time. He makes time to listen. He makes time to speak to our hearts. He made time to walk and talk with his children, our first parents, in the cool of the day. We must follow his example And we must make that commitment to those with whom we are striving to nurture a loving relationship. Our spouse should be our highest priority on earth after our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our children. We cannot expect when we encounter, when they get into those teen years and we begin to to encounter conflict, we cannot expect any success in having profitable communication if we have not taken time, Hmm. time to listen, time to talk in those seasons when it's fun. We have to confess to you our own difficulty um, in making and in keeping this commitment that we have had for for long time, the last 18 to 20 years. For years, we acknowledge the importance of time to communicate, time to share what is in our hearts as something critical that could strengthen our marriage. And we realize that if we didn't do it, it would weaken our marriage. We fully intended on taking those regular times, and we even set a time for it. But it has only been in the last 10 years or so that we have been more successful. You see, we used to allow the busyness... Um, of life to prevent us from taking those times. And the things preventing us were not bad things. They weren't big time wasters like watching TV. The things preventing us were actually mostly good things, like picking up the phone when somebody was calling with, um, in distress, uh, like finishing up a project, the project that was meant to, to improve the, the order, the heaven's order in our home. So we came to the conclusion that we needed to make this, um, bring it to a higher level of importance in our lives. And so we accomplished this in two ways. Um, Over the past eight years, we have been more faithful with this. And we accomplished it by scheduling a time. First thing in the morning, before our devotions begin, at 4 o'clock in the morning, you will find us praying, praying with each other. Do you know that? When we pray, I hear, I hear the, the deepest concerns of my husband's heart. He hears mine. We also take time, uh, we take a half hour when he comes home from work to, to just talk. It used to be years ago that we used to sit on our glider on our front um, porch and we used to just look at the canyon and discuss things, discuss how the day went. Um, Issues with the ministry that have come up. Issues with the children that had come up. In the spring, in the summer, and fall, you would find us on the glider talking about these things. Um, nowadays, we actually take that time to exercise to, together. We walk as soon as he gets home from work, and we take that time to, to share our hearts with one another. Some of our friends take what they, talk, what they also call their walkie-talkie time. 
they walk along the trails around their property, and they share each other's hearts. We have other friends that are genuine, earnest people. They're committed Christians. They're very active in the work of God, but they've had struggles in their marriage, struggles in their communication, and we have called to them um, to, to carve out that time. This husband actually works away from home um, a good portion of the week, so he's only home for a long weekend. And we've counseled them and made that recommendation time and time again. And when we see them, you know, we've asked them, how are you doing? And sadly, most of the time, um, we hear that that they, they, they haven't quite they haven't quite made it, and you know they're not um, they're committed to good things in general, and they're, the things that are keeping them are responsibilities at church, um, you know, outreach, preparing for sermons. Friends, Satan knows that he cannot get committed, serious Christians to neglect their highest duties by convincing them to just waste their time watching TV. And, and fail to make time for their spouse. He knows, um, he knows this. So he tempts us with things that are, that are good to put so many good things into our lives that we don't have time for the best. So we're allowing good things to crowd out the best things as is communication, which is crucial for the foundation of a strong marriage. So we want to challenge you today. Before we close today, we want to challenge you. If you are not, first of all, the top priority is your time with God. Are you serious about your time with God? It is more important now than ever before. Yesterday I was talking to my daughter, uh, our daughter Natasha on the phone, and she was telling me that she had been talking to um, a friend of ours. He's actually a, a distant relative related to, um, to our daughter, our other daughter, um, Shante. This is her sister-in-law's husband, and he's a lawyer. He's a young lawyer. And he was saying um, that we, he is absolutely stunned from the perspective of a lawyer watching what is going on in our world today. We are um, in the midst of a time when there's a moral decline in our nation that is just exponentially um, occurring. God expects to prepare a people that will be holy. That in exponential uh, growth, we should be becoming holy as he is holy. We cannot do that unless we are sitting at the feet of Jesus and making that commitment our highest priority. We need to do that, and we need to then take that commitment into our families. Um, last weekend, our pastor was talking with us about as it was in the days of Noah. And it was so amazing to read the chapters in um, Patriarchs and Prophets on the time of Noah and compare what was happening then to what was happening now. Our pastor was pointing out that he had not noticed before that Noah's, as, as it is phrased in the passage, and this is not in my notes, so I'm not remembering exactly, but if you go back to the story of Noah... It was his burden was to save his family. 
we need to have a burden to save our souls and to save our families, to seek the Lord with all our hearts. God is planning for that same exponential decline to happen as a growth for the people that he has chosen, the people who are saying yes to him. So we want to appeal to you this morning to reorder your priorities so that you can give him the time that will allow you to grow in grace, to be strong, to be made strong for the times that are not just coming upon us. They are right here, right now. We, we just want to leave you with um, a practical way to start this. Uh, you're, you're not going to go home today and you're going to say to your wife, okay, let's go for a walk at 30 minutes every day if she can't do that. What you're going to do is you're going to start with your steps that are doable for you. At, in our case, uh, my wife tried to get me to go for exercise for years, years. And I would go when she asked, but I would never initiate it. Not my thing. I'd rather read a book. I'll be honest with you. And then a couple of months ago, I happened to see a patient with something on his wrist. I'm not advertising. I have no stock in this company. Disclaimer. I said, what's that thing? He told me it was a, begins with the letter F. And he said, it's a, mm-hmm. And I said, what does that thing do? And he told me. And I said, I'm getting one of those. What this has done for me, me, is that it's a metric. For those of you who don't understand what that means, it tells me uh, you've only walked 2,801 steps today. What's your goal again? Okay, I got to figure out a way. So now my wife sees me coming home and I go, I got to go for a walk. You coming? I got to go. And of course, she's delighted with this change of attitude. And so we go for a walk and she goes. And she goes, and she's delighted, and I'm delighted. It's a win-win situation. My point is, you need to work with what works for you practically, but start. Today is a good day to start. And if you develop that, you will find that it gets better and sweeter and better. I enjoy my walks with my wife. The point that we're trying to make is, brothers and sisters, is that God is the one who can lead you to achieve what he wants in our marriages, in our communication. We started our message with the admonition to be willing to communicate. We have shown that God, who created us, is our best example of communication. We cannot experience the fullness of joy that God intended for our marriages without communicating as God would have us communicate. My wife is communicating with me. Just see it now. My wife is communicating with me, and I'm, yes, mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear, oh, interesting. What, what message am I sending? Come on. Is that the way God would communicate? Uh, oh, yeah, I've got a couple billion people to take care of. You keep talking. I'll, I'll check in with you periodically. No. It's a personal, focused attention. Put it down. Trust me. Facebook will still be there. My point is... Communicate as God would have us to communicate. Are you willing to commit to this in your marriage? Are you willing to acknowledge that this area needs higher importance in your lives? Are you willing to make the commitment right now by making the changes that will build communication between you 
and your spouse. First of all, as Maria says, the way to do this is to start with communication with the Almighty Himself. If you're not doing it, start today. Here's where the success comes. All of you, I, got, I know there are many businessmen and women in this church. The success of tomorrow starts when? Today. So, if you know that you're too tired to get up in the morning and spend time in God's Word, here's a solution. Start today. Turn it off. Any news that occurs after 10 o'clock is probably not worth anything anyway. Just go to bed. And that way you'll have the energy to get up in the morning to spend time in God's Word. Just practically start today. Next, commit that you will not just be a hearer only, but a doer. To do what God and the Holy Spirit is revealing to you in His Word. Lastly, Commit that you will persevere in developing a deeper communication with your spouse, taking those steps that God, by His grace, calls to your heart to do. Do it right here, right now. Amen. We want to close with our closing hymn. We were, actually, we were actually asked this morning if we would sing that scripture song again that we ah. were saying was painful to sing. Um, we thought it was painful, but others didn't think it was painful. Painful only because we are missing our precious ones. Um, but we're going to ask Sean to come up. and we're going. It's actually, as I was thinking about it, it's appropriate again. Mm. Um, the mind of Christ is what we need. We cannot develop the mind of Christ. We will not be changed into his likeness unless we make him a priority in our lives. And likewise in our marriages. Our marriages will not be changed into the ideal that God had his mind. So, um, again, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father 
To the glory of God the Father, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus.